Well, thanks again for listening to the Park Hills Podcast. If you want more info on the things we're doing, go to parkhillschurch.com or the Park Hills Church app. What's up, Pastor Alex? Hey, Pastor Chris. I love how we we hardly ever call each other by that title until so we're like on a thing. Th- this is good for everyone, all of our wonderful listeners. On I the agree. Podcast. I only use the term Pastor Alex for myself when I'm on the phone because yeah. when my sure. my I I can't speak correctly when I say Alex Eunice, it just it it's too sing-songy, rhymy on the phone, and a lot of people are like. Who? Who is it? I'm like, it's Alex Eunice. And they're like, they're like, what? And so I just, it's Pastor Alex. Oh, hey, Pastor Alex. So everyone calls me Alex. I call myself Alex, right. except on the phone mm-hmm. and introduce myself as Pastor mm-hmm. Alex because mm-hmm. it's just easier to understand my Michigan accent. Yeah. And I'm only using it in an obligatory sense of uh, honor that I'm supposed to be giving yeah. out to people when we do it publicly. But the rest of the podcast, you'll be Alex and I'll be Chris. Okay. That's just better, right? Well, usually around the office, Chris prefers us to yeah. refer to him as Emperor Chris. <laughs> <laughs> and there's a little bow that we have that we yeah. bend down, we put our arms backwards, and you put them forward. He says, show me your hands. And Correct. Things. Yes. If you've never seen it before, it's something to behold. But uh, yeah. That's also completely <laughs> not true, just so everyone is aware. All right, we're going to talk about Revelation, uh, not, yeah. not the book. Not the Revelation Not the of book John. of Revelation, but the idea that God reveals himself to us. Specifically, we're talking about his voice and how he speaks, that sort of thing, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I said this in the sermon, that like this is – a crazy concept that I think sometimes we take for granted. Yes. God has something to say to us. Right. Like the creator of the universe wants to speak to us. God speaks. In in the Old Testament, he speaks to individuals and tells them what to do individually. He speaks to prophets and says, deliver this message. But then Jesus himself is like the ultimate speech of God. Mm-hmm. He is sent as the ultimate. Re- so we use the word revelation, not in the sense of like the book of Revelation, but in the sense that God reveals something. He tells something. He explicitly communicates to people in the Old Testament a lot through what maybe is audible words. You know, mm-hmm. do the, when the when the scripture says, you know, the word of the Lord came to Jonah, or the sure. word of the Lord is that an audible voice? Not sure. Maybe. Maybe not. But anyway. But then in Jesus himself becomes that revelation. He himself is the revelation of God. And then God reveals things to us today through different means. So, yeah, just crazy concept that sometimes we take for granted. So let's let's unpack this a little bit. Uh, Chris, we have – we use two terms for the way God speaks or reveals himself or reveals his thoughts to us, general and special revelation. Can you kind of unpack those terms, what those are getting at? Yeah, so general revelation – is kind of an unwieldy term. Sometimes it's called natural theology. The idea of general revelation is that we can just see things that point us to God. I think the the key verse that people typically use for for general revelation is Romans one twenty. Right? Yep. It says, "For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature." have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. 
And here what Paul's talking about are Gentiles who have chosen to walk away from the Lord. And he's saying they have no right to walk away from the Lord because just by looking around, it's pretty clear that something's going on. Now, we live in a time in, in day and age where people don't assume that there is a creator God, right? I, mm-hmm. I have friends that are Big Bang enthusiasts and other people. Not the TV show. Correct. <laughs> That's a good point. It's not the, not the TV show. Yeah, but they, they're a big, you know, they, they believe that everything came out of nothing and it, it is contracting at an unbelievable pace and then it's going to recontract at some point and then blow up again and just it's just endlessly doing this. Sometimes that's happening within a black hole, and so perhaps we're just one pocket of black holes that are inside of a pocket of way more black holes. Some of it's just completely ridiculous to me. And I, what I look at is when I think about general revelation, and this is probably what you're asking, is it's, it's the idea that just by looking up at the stars, just by looking at a mountain, looking at a tree sometimes that might blow us away. Like if you've ever seen a sequoia or you've mm-hmm. ever seen a redwood you just look and you go, I can't believe that this just sort of happened. Somebody must have created this. And I think what Paul's saying there in Romans 1 is even if people walk away from the Lord, there's really no excuse because you look around and it's pretty obvious there's something happening that's beyond just chance, that's beyond nothing becoming something. Yeah, and I think all aspects of creation, not just natural order like visible things, reveal something about the creator himself. I think emotions are one of those things that, you know, we talk about how we have pieces of the divine like kindness, sympathy, the way we, people will do things that are irrational in an evolutionary sense, like they'll sacrifice themselves to help other people. and, And that's apart from an understanding of who God and who Jesus is. Like somebody who's completely secular might do those types of things. And we'd say, well, where did that come from? Right. From, a, from our Christian worldview. Well, why would that person be willing to die for another person that doesn't fit evolutionary model? Evolutionary model is all about, you know, survival of the fittest, survival of yep. the fittest and all that kind of stuff. Why would that person make that evolutionary, irrational choice? Well, because we see the general ev- revelation there there's image of god spark of the yes. divine whatever however you want to phrase it in every person that also is included in general revelation mm-hmm. things that god has revealed about himself through his creation that anyone can see would be included in that yeah and even some of the terms you're using there are like triggers for some people within sure. the theological world and you're not using them in I'm just defending you here because I know you're not using them necessarily that I believe that. But when someone says things like a spark of the divine, that can become very new age. It can become something else entirely. What we're saying is there is a source of truth that even when people are using terms like that, they're not speaking incorrectly. There is something inside of us that doesn't make sense unless it was something from divine. Right, right. And then I'm just simply referring to the, yeah, these things like Imago Dei, image of God, spark of the divine. Those are all theological words that pick at this in different ways. Right. Whatever term we want to use, whatever one of those we want to draw or pull from or agree with or not agree with, what they're all getting at is this idea of there's there's something not just you can look at the complexity. uh, You know, I, I see a lot. I just didn't finish my sentence. I'm really good at that. I did it twice. You're uh, you know, I see a lot with uh, creationists talk about the woodpecker that's like tongue wraps around its sure. brain so its brain doesn't feel the concussive effects of pecking on trees. They're like, look, from that uh, complex design of the way this physical structure is built, we can see designer and creation in that. Yes, that and our emotions, our thoughts, our sure. feelings, those things all 
the the ability that humanity has to create complex systems yep. also points to a creator. So just want to make sure both of those get wrapped up in general revelation. Totally. And so the idea of general revelation, kind of to, to tie it up here, is is anything that is given naturally that would point us in the direction of there must be something that's behind this. Right is probably the best definition we can give for general revelation or like i said natural theology. Yeah. Uh the the beauty of that term general revelation is it's not hard to look around and see it everywhere. Yeah. And i've had people come to faith because they look up at the stars and go there's no way we're alone. Somebody had to have done this, and they've come to me and said, "Hey, I want to think about this," and then I am able to lead yeah. them to Jesus. So that that brings up like a great the, turn right. in this, right? Yep. Is general revelation enough for salvation? And this is one of those things that always comes up in ordination yeah. councils. Yep. And personally, I don't think that you can you will come to Christ from general revelation, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean that you can't put your faith in Yahweh. From direct from general revelation, which might save you, but I don't. I'm I'm not the one that ultimately determines that one way or the other. But I do believe that if if you could just come to Christ through just general revelation, there would be no point for Christ to have done what He did. Right. Because if you can just look at nature and be like, I need to be saved. God needs to save me. I, I, sh- I suppose that's possible. But there is something special about what Jesus did that makes it a little different than what general revelation can lead us to. Where are you at on that? Yeah, and there's a big debate about this because verse 20 says they are without excuse. So it's it's enough to condemn you but not enough to save you is is a big challenge or a big challenge for some people. You know, how Reformed theology deals with this is if you are elect, God will send then yes. the person to bring you special revelation. And this is one of the, I would say I agree with Reformed theology in this part, not, not in all Reformed sure, theology, sure. but yeah, I think general revelation the, the way God understands it, and we don't always know the mind of God, is it is enough to make you without excuse, but not enough to bring you into salvation with Christ because Jesus says a lot of things like, yep. no one comes to the Father except through me. And um, Yeah, so it's so. not salvific, but it, it does lead us to a place where we start to understand. So if general revelation, sorry, nope, if, if general revelation is not enough, then what do we need? We call that special revelation. Right. And special revelation is not what you might, when, when I say general revelation is all of those things, you might think special revelation then means like fireworks that come, that God sends to us or like a storm that suddenly stops or yeah. that's not what special revelation is. What, what it is, is some type of movement or something that happens where God draws attention to a specific or special thing that he wants us to know. Typically, we mostly define this by his word. Mm-hmm. And through the actual fact that the word became flesh, right? Yeah. So typically we're talking here about scripture and mostly, especially in reformed circles, it's it's really only scripture. It You don't necessarily get a word from the Lord. The word from the Lord is just a, an, a modern understanding of what God already said through his word, right? Yeah. So the idea of special revelation would be everything that we would see in his word— so that would give us moral law. Yep. It would give us moral responsibility, moral recognition. Uh, special revelation also is, like I said, the word becoming flesh. So all of a sudden, everything Jesus says becomes 
the Word of God because it is the Word of God speaking. Right. That's why the Gospels are so important to us. And that's why, honestly, even the idea of the book of Revelation, to tie this all off from where we started, the book of Revelation is a special revelation that God is giving his people to say, look at what is going to happen here, be ready for it, and be prepared. Yeah, and I think that's why part of the theology of John calling Jesus the Word, the Word yes. itself, the in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, the Word was with God. You know, all things were made through him, and then get down to verse 14, and the Word became flesh, and then Jesus calls himself the Word later in John as well. All of those things are, Jesus is that revelation of God. So when we use the term special revelation, yeah, we're talking about the specific, clear things that God is speaking. So we mostly talk about yep. Scripture and Jesus himself yep. as those things. Yeah. Yeah, so if you compare those two things, you, you see how they work together in some sense, right? General revelation can lead you to a place where you go, I need something else. Special revelation then is defining who that special, something special else is. The fact that the word of God exists is such a unique thing that we don't, other faiths can't, can't call themselves to that. They don't have the actual words from God given to his prophets, as you mentioned in the sermon, right? Yeah. He spoke through his prophets. He spoke to creation. Creation responds. He speaks to us. And then we are supposed to respond to him and follow him. It doesn't necessarily mean that God is doing special revelation today. It may not be that he is still speaking as loudly as we would expect him to be speaking. Uh, some, I guess that some might expect him to be speaking, but it doesn't mean that he hasn't spoken because we have his word and it tells us everything we need to know. Yeah, yeah. So what's interesting is, is you look at special revelation in scripture, in the Old Testament, you have a lot of God speaking, you know, again, to individuals, if you just, you just go to your online concordance and you type in the word of the Lord came, there's hundreds of times in the Old Testament where it says the word of the Lord came to this person or the word of the Lord came to this prophet, go tell these people. And so clear speech from the Lord and specific mm -hmm. speech from the Lord, and then you get Jesus himself comes as the word of God. But then from then on out, you don't have God speaking in that same way. So in the church age, post, post Christ's resurrection, but pre-Christ's return, what is special revelation? Is God, does God still speak to us? Does he speak to us in the same way? Does it just look different? What does that look like to say, mm -hmm. what, is, what is special revelation AD 60 until Jesus returns? Or 60, 80, 30. Yeah. And I, th that's a huge question. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's like <laughs> we're gonna theological debates. Yeah. Like we're going to get in massive trouble no matter which way we go with this. And so I'm just putting that out to people beforehand. You know, you might have a different view on this, and it doesn't mean that you're wrong, and it doesn't mean that we're right. Uh, but at the same time, here's where I stand with this God's word is timeless, and it speaks across ages, across cultures, across everything else. He doesn't need to speak to us in the way that he spoke to the prophets because he has already spoken. Now, I can't say definitively that he is not doing so still today. He might very well want to, he might be doing so, but I'm highly skeptical of people who claim they're speaking on God's behalf. Mm -hmm. And then you've got a bunch of wonderful verses in the New Testament that say things like, you should test everything, right? Test the spirits. So if someone's talking to you and it doesn't line up with what scripture says, there's a really good chance that you don't need to listen to what they're saying. That might not actually be from God. It might be from something else or from you know that person's own opinion or whatever. 
So in my opinion, God is not speaking in the same way. I think he will again one day, but I, I have the opinion that that's going to be happening at the end. Yeah. With that said, does God still occasionally speak in a way that might be, you know, could someone still hear an audible voice today and they know that it's from God and then they choose to follow him? It's possible. Yeah. But for me, and, and, and I'll, I'll let you jump in here and, and really make it make sense. For me, God's word speaks to me. His spirit guides me. That's all I need. I've got more than enough in his word that I'm constantly reading it, thinking about it, letting it be the one that changes my mind and my heart and everything else. But that's not happening in a, in a vacuum. That, that's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding and illuminating the text for me. And then as I obey the spirit and walk with him, God is leading me. So in that sense, he is still speaking but maybe not in the way we would expect. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, let me introduce to you the open but cautious viewpoint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Thank you. That's Yeah, that's what we call that. And it's funny because sometimes I said, oh, you're open but cautious, and somebody will say like, well, I guess, yeah, I guess. Oh, no, that is a technical term. <laughs> open but cautious is a technical term that you just described that viewpoint. Yeah. And, that's, and that's, where, that's where you're at. That's where I'm at too. You have things like John chapter 16 when Jesus is talking about how the Holy Spirit is going to come into the world after he leaves. He yep. says things like, it's to your advantage that I go away, verse 7. If I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him. And when he comes, he'll, he's going to convict the world of sin and righteousness and judgment. And then he goes on. But then he says in verse 12, I have many things to say to you. You cannot hear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, so we recognize that to be the Holy Spirit, he, being a person, right, he will guide you into all truth. So he's going to guide for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak. So that means God is still speaking. Now, what does that speech look like? In the Old Testament, maybe it was audible voices frequently. In the life of Jesus, that speech was Jesus himself, his the embodiment, everything he said and did. And here, now in the church age, it says, he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me. He will take what is mine and declare it to you. All the Father has mine. I said, I'll take what is mine, declare it to you. All that is important to say. That speech doesn't have to be audible speech. And it also doesn't have to be written speech. Because, you know, we read in Revelation that we talk about this idea of canon. The canon or scripture has been closed. There are no more works written by God right. himself coming out today. It stopped at Revelation. And then, you know, of course, you'll hear tons of things. Well, what about the Gospel of Judas? What about the Gospel of Thomas? All of that is to say, no, God is not speaking in that method anymore. He's speaking, and I would, again, the open but cautious view that that we both hold, most of that speech is is through us being indwelt with the Holy Spirit and then the Holy Spirit putting on our hearts and our minds what God wants to speak to us. So through prayer, through us reading scripture, for through us using discernment. That's not to say that he doesn't then sometimes speak like you. I would I would not close the opportunity for God to speak to someone audibly or for God to, you know, uh, miraculously reveal something to someone. But again, the open but cautious part of that is like, let's be very clear. We have the full revelation of God sure. in Christ so all of that, we are never taking at face value. Like this is a new speech. There's yep. never a, this is a new speech that overrides or supersedes other speech. No, the, the, the speech through Jesus Christ was the full revelation. So any speech that we get from God can be tested and checked against the, what we already have. Agreed. And I, you know, I'm hearing word, and I don't know if you've seen these news articles, but I'm hearing word that 
people in Gaza are having dreams about Jesus and they're coming to Christ and they're hungry for his word. Mm-hmm. That's I'm okay with that. If that's yeah. it, that's a that's a version of special revelation we'd be talking about, but it doesn't mean that God is speaking fresh words, new things. He's pointing people to what he has already said and what he's already done. So that's kind of where I'm at. And I that and I think that's exactly what you're saying. So and I'm I'm in favor of God doing whatever he wants to do. He's God. I'm not. Yeah. Which I think is really the point of revelation that we need to stop and think about. The fact that kind of where you started, the fact that the God of the universe is choosing to reveal himself to human beings who are so much lesser than him should cause us to worship all by itself. Then the fact that he actually would give us his words directly and want us to think about it. But by no means can we expect that the word of God is him revealing everything to us. Mm-hmm. He's giving us what we need. Of course, there's more that he would say or do about any given topic that you and I might have a question on. We need to use wisdom. We need to use the spirit and we need to use his word to kind of go back and consider. Um, so I've had students for years come up to me and say, well, the Bible doesn't say anything about this topic. What it, pick yeah, a about topic. TV. Yeah, yeah. Pick a topic. And it's like, well, of course, they didn't exist then. But there's enough wisdom in the Bible itself that we can we can discern an idea or a biblical theology about how maybe to approach TV based on what God is telling us to do throughout his word. So in that sense, all the special revelation you and I need is already given to us mm-hmm. in the pages of what we have. We just need to to trust him, walk with him. And believe that God, uh, this amazing being that is beyond us in so many different ways, wants to wants to talk to us, wants to reveal Himself to us. He's giving us what we need for now, not everything we ever will need in the future. Right, and I, I think there there's a personal nature to that, in that the Holy Spirit speaks to persons. Like you're saying, we have all the special revelation we need as the church, and so. This is also why I have a hard time when people say, well, God told me to tell you. Like, yes, God can lead us to share wisdom with someone, but if if somebody feels like God is giving a special word to them to then tell to someone else, why didn't God give that special word to the first person in mm-hmm. the first place? Uh, special revelation today, I feel like, is a lot more personal. And like I was saying, like mm-hmm. God leading your mm-hmm. your heart, the the kind of declarative special revelation we have in Christ yep. and in the New Testament. So we can we can hear from God. God wants to speak to us today. God is speaking to us. Let's be listening to what he has to say. 